Welcome back to 887-FM-WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. It's Weekend Game. You're checking out Radio 1 Chicago. Don't forget to follow us on the social medias at Radio 1 Chicago and at Radio1Chicago.com. And all you aspiring artists, hit us up on the submit page there on Radio 1 Chicago. And uh, maybe you can get your music played. And then also might get into the ears of our next guest, Doe from the Go, who's out there, uh, music and uh, everything shaker, just out there really uh, pushing the culture forward, doing it big. He joins us now. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yourself? I'm good, man. So I met you uh, this past spring. We were like on a, uh, I don't know what you say, like a hot seat type type thing over at the subterranean part of uh, Hello Hip Hop. And uh, so we got to, we were talking a little bit about music and, you know, so I thought it'd be a good idea to bring you in because we, we talk with so many artists here on the show. But I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about sort of the behind the scenes work and so kind of how like records get pushed and how some of that is uh, that that works uh, from radio side things, because we're not really that huge yet to really be uh, be leaned on like the same way, like how Flex was talking about, like some people pay for the records they played. I, we're not payola by any means, right. so so. But I, I really wanted to sort of discover, like, little, get into a little bit about sort of the behind the scenes and how records. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about you. Where did you grow up in the city? On the south side, I grew up in Roseland, um, actually on 108th and Wentworth. Wow. And I kind of like migrated um, from there, uh, like basically between 108th and Wentworth, 93rd and Racine. Yeah. Because that's where my grandma stayed. So you know. When you go to your grandma's in the summer, like mm-hmm. her block is like your block too, and then you 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 grew up over there, and you get to know everybody on that block, and you're a part of that that neighborhood as well. I so, wish that was um, my experience, but go ahead. So <laughs> so between 108th and Wentworth, uh, 93rd and Racine, and yeah. then my other grandmother, uh, she was on 103rd and State. Oh wow! So up and down the south side is, is was my my entire uh, stepping ground. You so you're so you're always around family because yeah, it absolutely. seems like everyone was in the same vicinity. Yeah, absolutely. So I just you know like I said in, in the summer, you know I'm, I'm over my grandmother's. And I'm, I'm, that's my experience. And then it's back, it's back to mom's, uh, you know, when it's school time. You know yeah, for sure. Oh, so you like literally lived over there. Like you were, that was like the place, like you were, that's where you spent yeah, the majority you know, of the time. It's, it's a little more freedom. You know what I mean? It's a little more um, experience as yeah. far as, uh, you know, 108th and Wentworth was a pretty bad neighborhood um, compared to 93rd and Racine. Yeah. It went down over there too, but not not as uh, thorough, um, you know, with the with the violence, et cetera. Yeah. You know, and this was the 80s, you know what I mean? But stuff was kind of structured then. So it wasn't like, you know, just wild and crazy as far as like how it is now. I mean, yeah. Everything was much more organized, even with, you know, activity, right. et cetera, you know, but it still went down. Yeah, you, know you hear that a lot. Like there was a lot, I don't, like it seems weird to say like there was some respect behind sort well, of yeah, like, the yeah, violence. Because it was, it, was, it was leaders and, and you know, right. um, before anything went down, like, um, you know, uh, you know, even even if someone wanted to do something to somebody, uh, you know, they still had to go have a sit down with the with the with the man before they went and executed that. So that's that's the thing about the eighties and the nineties, you know, mm-hmm. we had leaders on the street. And not saying that that's a good thing, but at least it was more structure right uh to the street life. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Right. And then that seems to have disappeared. Yeah. Um, uh, so the uh, so like you, uh, I imagine you probably at your grandmother's because your parents are probably working during the summers and a lot of people are like that's childcare during the summer. Yeah, well, you know, it's grandmas. just a fun thing to do. You know, it's like yeah. it's like go go over to your granny's and you know be be there during the summer and you know um, also because I went to summer camp too. So um, oh, you're uh, one of those special kids. I didn't get summer camp. Yeah, I went to summer <laughs> camp. Uh, I went to summer camp uh, in my neighborhood once, which was Fernwood. That was on 110th. Yeah, uh, a couple blocks down one summer, and then another summer I went to Brainerd, 
Brainerd Park, which mm-hmm. was, you know, 93rd Street. That's uh, down the street. And, uh, you know, I just got that that, that, that camp. I had some rich aunties. You know, a couple, a couple of my aunties had the money to put me in camp. Oh, nice. So, you know, um, yeah. you know, it didn't come from my mom. My aunties was like, you know, we're going to put them in camp you know, with the rest of the kids, the kids and the yeah. family, like their children, et cetera. And then, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. We, all, we all go to camp and, you know, we yeah. do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what we do with uh, our seven. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. we don't put other people's kids in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they all go to the same camp. So they, they, kept, they kept us busy. You know what yeah, I'm that's exactly the thing, too, as well. I mean, he's a lot younger, but he's not in that, that space yet to be off doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same thing, just keep him busy. And, Absolutely. You know, so he's not just like vegging out, watching TV and yeah, yeah, for yeah. a full summer like, like I did. Thanks, mm-hmm. Mom. Uh, <laughs> so well, when did you start getting into like records? Like uh, either like buying records into the the, the music experience. The, what was your first recollection of that? Um, well, just music period. I just remember like uh, dabbling with my mom's records. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I remember one time they left the crib and uh, we found uh, an NWA record. Like really, it was, it was under the pile. It was uh, it was the one with. All of them on the cover, it was like the, fifty of them on the cover. All the NWA and the posse, and the posse. yeah. You know, we that found I... that, so me and my sister was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like my mother and them was gone, you know. Yeah. And we put it on, and uh, you know, uh, lo and behold, you know, Dope Man comes on, and it's like, <laughs> and we jamming to it, and we like, "What is this? This is crazy." Yeah. This was like this had to be like '86 uh, or something like that. Sure. And, uh, it was just you know it was like the the introduction to um to to the the other side of rap like right. we didn't we didn't really know that existed as far as the the extra cussing etc you know what I mean but yeah, uh we're still you know like um, a... from from there I just became a, a fan of hip hop uh, in general uh, I, I remember my first purchase of uh of of anything musical was uh was I went to the store I was ten years old it was nineteen ninety and I forget it was um it was the Ghetto Boys uh it was like a it was a tape. Where it was four of them on it, and it looked like they had mm. like uh, they had like uh, uh, mug shots. Oh you know yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I bought that. I bought a uh, NWA uh, Hundred Miles and Running. Oh wow! And, uh, I made good purchase cassettes. Uh, <laughs> it was I bought three really bad tapes. That and um and two short uh short dogs in the house. It was like a, it was like a, it was like a uh, cartoon. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I remember yeah. my grandma found the two short tape. And she put it in the garbage. Like she, she put it at the bottom of the garbage. Wow! I went back in the garbage and got the tape. You know wow. what I'm saying? And you know, from there it was kind of like you know, I just, uh, I just, I just became a fan of hip hop. Like you know, uh, as a kid, you know what I'm saying? I would, I would like you know, put my little blank tapes in and record and yeah. make my own little tapes and you know, just kind of like how, yeah. Most people start that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I used to do the same thing. Like, well, when CDs became more you know uh, accessible. Like that's those were like the mixtapes that I would use and like put together like a ninety minute max uh, max t- tape, and then that would be your sort of your thing you would ride to until you got more music. Exactly. Now, now the kids are all spoiled because now there's right. like a, a million records per week that they can get. Right. Uh, when, when did you start getting into like producing and engineering your own music? Uh, I started. Um, <clears throat> I think I was like fourteen. Uh, one, really? One, yeah. One time. Uh, one time I was. Uh, I was at home. And my sister had like this guy over that she uh she was dating and um I um I had my headphones on and I just was like, you know, on the turntable, uh when I say turntable, I mean the, the record player at the top of the, 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 the cassette deck. Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm just playing around, you know what I mean? And and he looked at me and he was like, he's like he's like, You rap or you you know, you do any music or something? And I was like, No, nah. I'm like, I don't I don't really do nothing, but I like I like hip hop. So uh, he invited me uh, to a studio session. I guess he was in the music. And, mm. um, you know, he did some weird type of music. Um, 
I would call it like acid rap. He um he was kind of like you know funkadelic. Sure. So what he called it psychedelic. Right. Because, you know he was just kind of like out there, spacey vibes. Um, but it was different. And uh, he gave me that first experience. You know, he took me to the studio. Um, this was back in the day with you know, uh, you know, uh, real to real and right. that machines, exactly. a that. You know, mm-hmm. this is stuff that these kids don't even really know about. So I, I got to like just learn that experience, and then I started like just bringing. Like every week he'd come get me, he'd pick me up in the middle of the night and I'll bring like a, I'll either bring like a, a drum sample or like a, a loop or something and I'll just put together my own beat. And then from there, you know, he let me record. You know, I tried to rap like that year and tried to be cool in school. And I was really, I was a cool kid, but nobody really knew that I was like doing music until uh, maybe later on in high school. Yeah. And then we'd be at the table and everybody freestyling. And, you know, I remember um, uh, Lupe, he went, he went to the same high school. Okay. Uh, Thornton. And, uh, you know, he was rapping and, you know, everybody would be, you know, just doing their thing. But uh, um, I got into the beats real heavy uh, in my early 20s, uh, like real heavy. Um, I kind of like, I had a job at uh, Ultra Foods and uh, I just kind of like quit my job. I had bought a little beat machine. Um, I had I had three beat machines I had bought because my mentor, Decca, he kind of put me on a few machines. He told me to, uh, he had a DR5. It was made by Boss or Roland. Yeah. And uh, you could make as many beats as possible in that. Mm-hmm. And then he had the AS the ASR X. It was a red, it was a big red machine with black buttons. And then I learned also on the MPC. Uh, actually, I started on the uh, SP12. Mm. Um, and I on the SP12. It was like the first machine I started on, and and you know that had no digital technology. You know, you're just going off of feel and sound as far as chopping the sample. So it's like, you know, with the MPC, you know, it gives you a screen, and you know, you get to see the wave as you chop it. Right. With the SP, you know, you're chopping the sample, and you got to kind of like chop it based on how you hear it. Yeah. You know, so I kind of learned, you know, with uh with all the analog machines, and then uh, just started getting into the the engineering part. Um, I bought Cakewalk. Uh, that was a program back in the day. Um, then I got Cool Edit Pro. I think I had mm. Cubase. And I had all that stuff at my house. And uh, I just kind of like taught myself the process of that. Sure. And then uh, I got an opportunity. I had sent uh, Death Row um, a package uh, through the mail. And uh, like maybe 40 days later, they uh, they hit me back and... They offered me an internship, so I went out there and I was living. Uh, I was living in LA for a while, hanging around Suge, and I really? just got to get my little, uh, you know, experience. Like kind of like you know, just run around and just watch the process of how it works with the studios. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to meet Johnny J, rest in peace. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, I met Left Five. You know, what I mean, like, at that era, the, they new, were, the new Death the Row, the new Death Row. They yeah. were they were like trying to form something new, a new team. You know what yeah. I mean, Crooked Eye, et cetera. Uh, so that was fun, and then I came back to Chicago and just kind of like you know built my own buzz in the streets. I started uh, inviting a lot of the local acts to my home, and you know we would just record. And uh, from there, that's when I, I started like uh, you know dabbling with the mixtapes and starting the Stack of Star brand, and then kind of like helping all the artists through the city, and uh, you know it just took off from there. You know yeah. what I mean? We're talking with Doe from the Go here on 88.7 FM's Radio 1 Chicago on Weekend Gabe at 744. Uh, so coming back from that L.A. experience, did you, did, you, did you learn anything about kind of like the way that the West Coast and the way that it seems like there's a bit of a, a unification, depending on who you ask, but with the way that they operate, were you able to take any of those experiences and sort of uh, apply them to like Chicago and like 
pulling together more artists to you know collaborate and build a sound here well yeah absolutely i mean you know unity is, is a, a major thing in any market you sure. know um it's a, the, a support system amongst each other is key you know when it comes to uh making an impact amongst your people you know you right. want, your, your support starts with where you're from you know so that's something that i learned um even as a as a youngin you know what i mean so that was something that you know i've always been willing to do with independent artists you know that's yeah. why i am the way i am with indies you know mm -hmm. Did uh was is the the way that people imagine Shug was that experience? <laughs> yeah, uh, was it just cordial or was he like like the the, the rough and tumble guy that um, we often hear about? Well, well, he liked being he liked he liked the reputation he had built. Um, I think at that point when I met him, though, he was kind of uh you know he was he was a little kind of what I was what I would say tired and like uh retired from it because you know he just got out right. It, at that point, yeah, because it was like uh, it was the rise and fall. So he kind of pretty much lost everything almost. The doors were almost about to shut anyway. So, sure. you know, um, he was kind of moving into a new direction. He was actually trying to um, do a label deal with Irv Gotti and um, uh, Jay, Jay Prince. Prince. Yep. And, um, you know, they didn't they didn't want that to happen. It, it was going to be too powerful for the game. So the, the higher ups, just they shut that down. Yeah. You know, but uh, it was a fun experience, like I said. Good deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I got get, I got the J Prince book. That's my my uh, summer reading to right. do still. Uh, and I heard good heard heard about that. Them trying to form a like a hip hop union. Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, which then like that and then the feds came down on Murder Inc. Yeah. Thereafter. Um. So then, uh, so you get back to Chicago. You start working on the mixtapes. Uh. Then you start doing like sort of like mixed DVDs. The the stack and starve mixtapes, mm -hmm. DVDs. A lot, of, a lot of those. Well, when uh, DVD mixtapes were like a thing, that was like huge. Yeah, yeah. Back back in back in that era, because I mean, you got to understand. Uh, it was a lot of money in it. Like, uh, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. At that time, you know, um, you know, DJ Drama, Don Cannon, uh, were the were the fathers of that as far as uh, as far as the era of mixtapes. You know sure. what I mean? Mixtapes. You know, you know, everybody in New York, from Kid Capri um, to Clue and and Envy, et cetera, they were doing anything. You know, on that wing, but I think uh, on a branding tip, you yeah. know, uh, Gangsta Grills. Um, made that impact, and that's that's kind of that kind of was like a uh, that was eye opening for everyone. Yes, eye opening for everyone. It was also uh, very inspiring for Stack of Starve, and uh, I formed that brand because you know Chicago never had a brand uh, here that was breaking artists, solo artists sure. from a mixtape standpoint. Sure, you know. So once once I started that brand, and uh, I started forming a, a DJ coalition. Uh, you know, it started with Victorious. You know, shout out DJ Victorious. Um, once I got him first and DJ Twin, et cetera, and then from there, we just started, like, recruiting all these DJs in the streets. Hustle Nomics, DJ Honors, DJ Shine. So many DJs was, was, was becoming a part of the brand, and it was spreading throughout the whole city. Now, what happened was um, these, these DJs I had, they would go in the neighborhoods and get these artists, like the King Louis, the Lil Durks, the Chief Keefs, and... They would they would do whole mixtapes with them, mm. and we would break these artists on the mixtape circuit, and then they and they blew up. Yeah, you know, so we played we played that role successfully. Uh, you know, with these artists' first projects, uh, if you can go and look, you go do your research. Any any artist I just named, if you look at their first projects, you'll see my logo on the covers. Got it. You know what I'm saying? And that goes for Drizzy, Tink, whoever. You'll you'll see my logo. You'll see Stack of Starve on the front, and that's that's how we do. You know, we break the artists. 
So it's it's really like the, as far as like the music thing, it's never like one person who really discovers anyway. It's like or like you said, like it's like a unit where like people are identifying it and yeah. bringing it to the forefront. That, and that's how success is dictated. I mean, it starts with uh, it starts with the ears and the eyes. You know, it starts with the streets, and uh, the streets dictate it. You know, you know the streets gonna tell you it's hot. It's hot. You know. Because during that, because like right around that time, we're we're still sort of in the early Lupe, the, the Kanye stage, so it's very soulful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of like I don't say like, what I'm uh, speaking on is the drill movement, though. No, absolutely. That's, that's, uh, no, that's, that's 20, 2011, 2012. Right. At that point, that's when it really took off exactly. in the city. You know what I mean? But before then, you know, before then, with the brand, we were probably like pushing DVDs the most. Yeah. And, and edging into the mixtape game. You know, the mixtapes really took off. In that drill era. Right. You know, we put out over a thousand tapes. Wow. You know what I mean? And we have so many classic tapes that did real numbers. Right. And we broke a lot of artists who became household names. It, you know? Like when you, when you think about like the, the early days of the drill sound, like did you, could you have imagined what it would what it grew into be and how many artists careers were birthed from this movement we, yeah we, we knew it like would the, take off like so you guys knew like this is the next thing yeah, yeah we knew it would take off yeah, yeah. We, we knew um a lot of us we would always talk about it like like yeah it's, it's about these kids the, got something yeah. yeah yeah and they were taking off fast you know real right. quick like you know it was they kept wanting it and 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 the, and the material kept coming so you know the streets was on fire with a lot of those artists you know yeah do you think there's like one song like like was it like Keeps I don't like like what do you think that's the one song that just really bursted open? Um, from a commercial standpoint, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. You know, but before that, you know, he had other hits. You oh know, yeah, that would come on and you know, and the place. Would but come. that was, but that was like the song that really just like absolutely took it from Chicago to like New York. Yeah, California, with no everyone. doubt, with yeah. no doubt, I would say that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, do you look on like that, like having an impact in that sound and like how it's like so many people have adopted? The Chicago drill sound, and this is something that you know Vic uh, Vic Mensis has uh, talked about, like mm-hmm. how New York artists now sound like Chicago artists, and not really giving their credit. They're like, how does that make you feel? As you know, seeing that this is where it started, but then there's a lot of artists that now sound like us. Um, well, it's 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 nothing wrong with uh you know people borrowing the sound. Um, I mean the the G Funk era with Dre and Snoop, yeah, people borrowed that sound a lot. I mean, look at the Brett. Like her whole her debut album, we talked. Oh, yeah, like, I, I talked about her debut that. album. Sounded like the Chronic, Jermaine Dupri and the uh, you, the, uh, the Brat were the stupid Dre. You, you, know, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta do that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's all about what's popping at the moment. Right. So it's nothing, it's nothing personal. You know, it's kind of like a, a compliment, or it's like a, you know, it's like a, 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 a ode to respect. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, yeah, you fantastic. Know, you know, so so having all this success uh, with the mixtape, how how did that like get? I guess uh, take you to that to that uh, level of like working with the Def Jam recordings. Um. Just after the streets, the streets uh, been rocking with me for a long time and still is. But yeah, you know, with with uh, with labels like Dev Jam and other other accounts that I've I've gotten, um, you know, I still had to work. I st- I had my own thing going on, and I was I was building my buzz and my own name and and, and becoming self made. But I still had to work. Even in those positions, they put me in some very you know precious situations. You know, that was like my test. You know, some, a lot of things was last minute. They was trying to see if I can execute from an executive standpoint in, sure. the, in the streets. Yeah. Uh, you know, could I be a leader? Could I could I gather my own team? Could I execute a lot of plays for them? You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I was able to do it and I was able to prove that. You know what I mean? And, you know, the rewards came and, uh, you know, I was able to, you know, hold down a lot of those those situations. It was some it was some head sweating situations. <laughs> I mean, I got to learn a lot, you know, dealing right. with labels and dealing with, you know, how things go. Sometimes stuff's last minute. Sometimes you might get a call the day of 
and it's like yo we got to do this we got to do that we do, we got to do this we got to we got to we got to go you got to go and it's like you got to hustle you got to you know what i mean that's why i'm blessed to have you know like my assistant and i got you know interns and i got street team and people you know who follow my lead and uh you know i always lead by example it's not me just putting them out in the streets i'll get out in the streets with them i'll hold a sign up with them and, and show them hey this is how you do it this is how you execute et cetera, et cetera. you know what i mean do you still feel like that that like the street team used to be like a huge thing during the 90s it's, where- it's very it's very uh lucrative um i think presence needs to be felt uh with certain things that matter, I don't think that uh, it's it's going to be effective for everyone. Right. But I feel like for for certain situations and certain um, you know marketing campaigns, the street team will never you know never, never die. Go away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still I still uh, I I get really surprised whenever I see like a poster on the side of a building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. like we'll see like Jeezy like yeah. even now when I go on the something west side, we paste in or or uh, something. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But anything, it's like it's like, oh wow, like they're like they're still out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like, they're still moving. They're still moving. We're talking with Doe from the Go here on WLUW's Radio One Chicago on Weekend Gabe. Uh, let's talk a little bit about like sort of the behind the scenes. Like we uh, we're t- like we we're mentioning at the top, we were together at this event. We we're looking at some of the young talent that uh, that we saw that night. Uh, that kid Roy was the kid who kind of came away with the, the title that night. But what is it when you as a as a talent scout? What are you looking for? And like today's artists, I know there's always that, you know, something unique, something that stands out from what the norm is. But what else is there that, you know, a young artist could be doing to get more attention for their the, towards their work? What's well, a saturated game? Um, yeah, sadly true. Yeah. You know, like everybody's rapping and everybody's an artist. And, uh, you know, to stand out, you have to have an incredible work ethic and you have to be like almost, you know, bogarting your way in because. Right. You know, everybody's rapping, everybody hopping around, everybody, you know, on YouTube, you know, just just trying to be cool. And it's bigger than that. You know, you have to have a vision. You have to have a plan. You have to really have, you know, everything rolled out for yourself, even if you don't have the budget or even if you don't have the team. You know, sometimes your vision is the, the best thing you can possess, you know, right. because that might that might uh, catch the ears and eyes of someone who's looking for you. You know, um, a plan and a vision is bigger than talent. You know, talent it's, it's talented people right now working at White Castle, you know, flipping soy burgers, but uh, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's more so everything else attached to that, you yeah. know, that soy burger flipper. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Does it does it help when the, when the artist already begins to establish themselves, like, independently, like, they start to build up their followers on either on social media, their plays on SoundCloud? Mm-hmm. Like, once they start doing that on their own, is that kind of when the attention, like, like oh, this kid is doing all this on his own? Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, making notoriety. Logic is an example. Uh, Logic, you know, um, he doesn't need Def Jam, but uh, it's only, it's right for him to be a part of that, that hip-hop iconic label because, sure. uh, you know, who else? You know, um, he's the type of artist where I've seen it for myself, man. He did uh, 13,000 pre-orders of his album in 10 minutes. You mm. know what I mean? Like, that's that's like unheard of for artists in 10 minutes. You know, right. 13,000 pre-orders. Right. Pre-orders right. for Before, the album, you yeah. know. And when they announced that on the conference call, I was blown away by that. That shows something as an independent artist. You know what I mean? That he could he could uh, generate 130 grand so quick. You know what I'm saying? Right. That says a lot. You know, so, uh, you know, you have to have something special and you have to be able to, uh, you know, make an impact in the game. That's what it's about, being innovative. And, uh, you know, you can't be legendary if, you, uh, if you're if you a carbon copy. You know yeah. what I mean? That's why I say uh, just kind of figure out who you are and figure out what it is that you want to, uh, you know, bring to the table when it comes to, you know, 
uh, being mentioned and amongst the greats. Mm-hmm. You know, what do, what do you see now? I, um, but in, in the in the streets of Chicago, like, what do you see the sound moving towards? Do you think that there's still lingering effects of the drills that have not yet been unearthed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it'll never die. The drill will never die. Um, I think that our diverse our diversity is uh is coming out. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of more um, diverse stuff coming around. Right. So uh, that's what's gonna make us well rounded. I mean, Juice World has proved proven that that we have a a diverse city. I mean, he could. Do this, but he's doing this, right? And that's working, right? You know, so that proves it right there, right? I, I kind of feel like the drill, like the way that people look at, like the G Funk for the West Coast or the Boom Bap for the East Coast, like the drill is like our thing, or how the trap, you know, for sound for the uh, for Atlanta and the South, that's theirs. Like that's gonna be forever known as like Chicago owning that. Right. That that drill sound is always gonna be uh, associated with Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because you know our city is known for what it's known for when it comes to, you know, the the stuff that is being reported. Right. So that that type of music will, will never probably, you know, just go away that quick because it's a, it's associated with what's going on on the streets. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh Dope from the Go, thank you so much for joining us, man. You can stick around for the hip hop project. We're gonna carry this over to the to the next hour. Uh but tell people where they can find you and they can get into contact with it or maybe they I don't know if you want their demo or not. Maybe you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening to everybody. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I my ears open. I'm in the streets, uh, I'm in the studios, you know. Uh you can reach me at Doe from the Go on any social yeah. media, uh D O U G H from D A G O. And uh, dope from the go at Gmail, you know what I mean. And also check out uh, mineralwaterh20.com. The album is coming soon. Oh yeah, we so know it. It's, it's a very big project. Uh, I've been working on it almost four years now. It's gonna be something special for the city. All right, nice. We'll, we'll carry that over uh, to the hip hop project. All right, for Alex, I'm Weekend Gabe. I am out next week because I am gonna be hanging out on the the island, Puerto Rico. Uh, so I'm going to be having a good time next Thursday. But uh, Alex has a big, uh, big week lined up. Uh, we're going to have Yomi. We're going to have, um, oh, my God, uh, Marie. Uh, it's, it's a lot of people coming up <laughs> tomorrow, next Thursday. So either way, so don't forget to turn in, uh, tune in next Thursday at 6 p.m. here on WLUW 88.7 FM. Stick around. More show coming at you. Bang. This Radio 1 Chicago podcast was produced by Weekend Gabe, Tony, Alex, and Hex.